Welcome to the best kept secret video cast and podcast from Centricity. If you're a B2B service professional, use our five-step process to go from the grind of chasing every sale to keeping your pipeline full with prospects knocking on your door to buy from you. We give you the freedom of time and a life outside of your business. Each episode features an executive from a B2B services company sharing their provocative perspective on an opportunity that many of their clients are missing out on. It's how we teach our clients to get executive decision makers to buy without being salesy or spammy. Here's our host, the co-founder and CEO of Centricity, Jay Kingley. I'm Jay Kingley, co-founder and CEO of Centricity. Welcome to another episode of our Best Kept Secret show, where I'm happy to welcome James Blake, founder and principal of Next Generation Risk Management, which is a boutique consulting firm working primarily with corporate organizations to help them better prepare and innovate ahead of emerging risks. These risks include the risks from climate-related issues, emerging terrorism risk from the far right, and disinformation risk. James is based in Cold Spring, New York. Welcome to the show, James. Thanks very much for having me, Jay. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. You know, James, one of the things that I read a lot about, and I think we all do, uh, is climate change. And I want to chat with you a little bit about that topic. Now, we are really inundated with information from all across the political spectrum, from climate change as a a present and clear danger to our way of life and, and even our existence, to it's all a hoax, you can ignore it. Um, and it's just a, a plot uh, by those on the left. But independent of the politics, I do think it's fair to say that the overwhelming majority of science and scientists are in agreement on both where we're at and where as a world we are headed and the likely implications of that. And those folks would say it is not a pretty picture. Now, what we hear a lot of is how it is going to affect us as individuals. We hear a lot on how it's going to affect our children and our children's children. And it always occurs to me that it is a very sort of personally directed conversation. What you hear, I think, a lot less of is how should businesses be thinking about climate change? What is going to be the impact? How do you as a business think about that impact and what you should do or or not do? What things does the business do? What things should the business wait for government and society to do? And strikes me there's a lot of nuance there, but not a lot of clarity, not a lot of discussion as to what these business executives should be thinking and doing. So, James, I'd, I'd like from your perspective to understand why is this something that isn't getting the attention that it deserves? Thank you, Jay. And those are, those are great questions. Um, my own view on this is that uh, in a world that we're, uh, as you say, um, uh, inundated with, with media and, and different breaking news stories by the, by the hour, it's, it's, it's often difficult to separate uh, fact from the fiction. Um, but I think in regard to, to the issue of, of, of climate change, both in terms of uh, rising temperatures uh, and also uh, the, the increase in the number of uh, natural disasters occurring in different different countries in the US and, and, and elsewhere as well, uh, this has become 
uh, an increasingly uh, Im important issue. And, um, you know, my own uh, take on this, and I'm very much guided by the facts and science on this, is that this is an issue which is becoming more prominent. Uh, and it's an issue that businesses need to uh, start taking seriously. And to an extent that is uh, through getting reliable factual information on what's happening and cutting through the kind of political discourse on this issue. So, James, why wouldn't a business executive say, you know, I get it, but this isn't my problem to solve. This is a problem for governments and NGO, NGOs and, and our politicians and our universities. And I really, as a business owner, I can't make a dent. So I'm going to adopt the ostrich strategy where I'm just going to put my head in the increasingly warm and wet sand and just wait for others to magically make it go away. Right. I think, you know, this, this, this again hits the, hits the nail on the, on the head, so to speak. I think there are two kind of key points here for business leaders to take into account. Uh, one is the direct impacts uh, that climate change is likely to have uh, on, on your business, uh, both now and increasingly in the future. And that can be uh, in the event of, <clears throat> uh, you know, a climate driven natural disaster, such as a hurricane knocking out your kind of uh, critical uh, infrastructure, whether it's IT systems or whether it's uh, meaning that people can't get to work because of uh, increased flooding. Um, and I think that that's obviously uh, a strategic concern for, for, for businesses, that they need to be able to ensure that they can continue to function when these types of events hit them. So therefore, it's, it is a very significant priority. And I think that the second part, and um, uh, you know, we increasingly see that by, by what's happened over the last a couple of years across the world with, with COVID is that, um, you know, businesses need to um, be active participants within their society because ultimately it's in their interest to keep people employed within their companies. And it's in society's interest to ensure that people continue to be employed uh, so that they can pay taxes and things like that. So this is very much becomes a, a, a joint issue. You know, if you suffer from a business interruption through a natural disaster and you can't open your work for, you know, three days, four days, two weeks a month, then it's going to have significant impact in terms of your ability to continue to function. So really, this is an issue that businesses need to have to the top of their agenda. And, and I think what I'm, I'm hearing you say, James, from a, a business executive standpoint is every business is, I, I think every business executive knows that they need to develop and consistently refresh their business strategy. And you can look at the creation of your business strategy as where the exogenous variables and, if you will, the external world, things that you don't have any direct control over, meet the things that you do have direct control over, which is typically, you know, your resources and your intellectual property and brand and how you arrange those to meet the uh, things which you don't control. And, you know, traditionally, those things have been around, you know, for example, competition and what competitors are doing around the development of new technologies, which may impact me, even though I don't control at all the development of those technologies, and even governmental uh, regulation and changes in laws. So I think the framework is well understood. It's just that we're not used to considering uh, the impact of climate change as one of those exogenous variables that you must include 
in your strategic planning process. Right, um, and I think that uh, again, it's it's it, it is going to become an increasing issue that you know the C-suite needs to to to, con to consider. Um, you know, you, you have uh, a handful of recent examples of very large hurricanes that have uh, impacted you know large segments of the of the country. They've had significant impacts on different components of of business operations uh, and you know increasingly as well you have to take into to account supply chains and the ability to get you know the nece necessary goods or supplies into your into your company so it's not necessarily even just thinking about uh, your specific office building or where your uh, employees work itself but um, also the kind of uh, larger strategic question of how you you know your, your kind of critical goods are getting to your uh, organization and whether you know these goods may be at risk from disruption from 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 uh, climate related issues as I say whether it's a a, a hurricane whether it's um, a, a storm whether it's rising heat that causes disruption to, to, to specific supply chains all of these things can have impacts and it's really you know in my view going to become uh, an increasing uh, priority for executives to really deal with this head on and to think through the impacts. And that's, I think, a great segue, James. We talked about the the issue and the problem of not incorporating this. So let's do the mirror image. Talk to us about how, if you are a business executive, you should be proactively thinking about incorporating the impact of climate change into your business planning process. Right. And there are very much tangible steps that you can take. And I think the number one issue is uh, perhaps to evaluate what the likely impacts of climate change would be on specifically your business. Uh, and that is a very much a, a mapping issue and looking, um, you know, what what does your, need, your business need to do to kind of continue its business operations? And therefore, how might climate related events or natural disasters impact this or mean that your business cannot kind of continue to do uh, what it's, it's designed to do, its business strategy. Um, so I think that the first and the real kind of number one point here is evaluate the likely impact of climate-related risks on your business chain. And that doesn't just include, as I say, your headquarters or your office building, but your supply chains, like what happens, you know, if your staff can't get to work one day, um, you know, what are the secondary impacts of, of, of climate change from rising, you know, natural disasters when they do occur often result in uh, increased crime rates and things like that. All of these can have kind of secondary impacts on your on your office as well. So that's my number one point. I think the number two thing, and, you know, you touched on this earlier with, with, with one of your opening questions, was the fact that, you know, we really need to educate and prepare employees for how to react in such incidents and why it is, it is a reality. Uh, and again, you know, this kind of comes down back to the fact that we need accurate information, which is factual uh, and science based and cuts through the kind of political discourse on on this issue. But then more tangibly, you know, what do your staff do if um, uh, uh, a power surge knocks out your uh, IT systems? Like what, what are the kind of secondary impacts they should do? What do they do if they get stuck at home? You know, what are the policies that you have in place for these people to work? Um, you know, what happens if it's even more significant? And, you know, hopefully this doesn't happen in this country, but certainly in other countries and elsewhere, you know, in, in the case of large storms or hurricanes, people get injured, people go have trauma through it. And it's, you know, what do you do to support your staff through these kind of incidents? You really need to kind of think through this and educate them through preparedness. Then the third thing is uh, contingency planning. And, you know, I think that this 
again, kind of links a little bit to the, the first point of, you know, evaluating the impact of emerging, emerging, emerging risk, climate related risks. But, you know, if, for instance, you have a supply chain and it's going through a, a location which has, you know, experienced a large number of climate related issues in, in the past, perhaps it's New Orleans or something like that in the, in the South, then thinking through, you know, potentially other ways you could get your supplies into your organization. Would it make sense for you to kind of think about, um, you know, your partners or whatever else, developing other routes which are away from these kind of high risk areas? Or, you know, even having like secondary warehouses and things so that you can store your, you know, your critical items in these locations so that if the worst happens and one supply chain gets knocked out, at least you can continue for a period of time. It's really kind of emphasizing this need to kind of think through the issues and develop contingency plans to kind of mitigate against them. And then the, the, the fourth point and the one that I think is, is really quite important is that, you know, the business value of your firm or your organization or your company is very much attached these days to how resilient you make your your organization internally so things through establishing kind of risk management committees if you're you know an organization of of, of that size uh, knowing who's responsible for what in the event an emergency happens you know is it your crisis management team that's responsible is it your hr team that needs to be involved in it you know which other stakeholders do you need to have at the table when this type of thing happens so that you know it can be run as smoothly as possible you know again if these things become a, a very large issue um, uh, and a very significant impact, then you might have to think about engaging PR companies and others to kind of uh, talk to your stakeholders and other shareholders and things like that to tell them what you've done and how you've prepared for it and how you're managing it. So these are all things you can do to invest in a resilient business. So James, I, I think you've highlighted both an issue that is being underplayed, certainly at a more strategic level by most business executives and a, a path forward on how to think about this issue strategically, which is probably not what a lot of organizations are doing, which brings up the question. I, I, I think we're, we're going to have listeners that says, you know, I'm intrigued by what you're saying, but I want to understand how this is going to benefit both me and my business. So let's start with the business executive decision maker, the one who's got to lead the organization to properly address these issues and concerns. If they do what you suggest, what do you, you know, how do you see they benefit? Right. <clears throat> well, I mean, it's, it comes back, in my view, to this old adage of uh, an ounce of preparation is a pound of cure. Uh, and I think, um, you know, if you look at the statistics and the World Bank uh, uh, issued a very interesting statistic on this part that said, you know, investing in new resilience infrastructure generates around four dollars in benefit for every one dollar invested. So, you know, you, you take the. The, the decision now to start investing in resilience um, in your organization, you know, whether it's a chief risk officer to, to kind of help manage these things or whether it's, um, uh, you know, a warehouse to kind of make sure that you have a kind of option if your, you know, supply chain gets, gets hit, you know, you're likely to, according to the World Bank and various other estimates, like really kind of benefit from this down the line. So investing in this upfront is ultimately going to save your business, uh, business money. And I think that that's a very uh, important point for, for, for key decision makers at the C-suite level. Um, I think there are various other issues to consider as well. Um, you know, if, if you're a kind of medium or large sign or listed company, then um, unfortunately we've seen in a range of kind of uh, similar risk issues that uh, uh, when um, uh, emergency responses or um, 
disasters do happen. And for companies that are not prepared, unfortunately, like share prices and things like that often do take a hit. Reputations of the executives who hadn't necessarily planned or thought through these issues. So you can really do yourself a favor here and now by kind of thinking ahead and kind of, um, uh, you know, really getting upstream, I suppose, of, of, of these issues and showing that you're, you know, someone who can uh, really kind of uh, be ahead of the curve and, and develop a resilient, a resilient business. And like, you know, for other people who are, who are um, uh, don't necessarily still convinced or whatever, I think you can look in places like California, where there've been um, obviously the 2018 wildfire season, which caused around uh, 22 billion uh, damage in, in property, bankrupted a local utility, uh, and other kind of um, significant issues. And if you think of how that could affect your business and your livelihood and things like that, I really think it's time to kind of you know develop these contingency plans and build the resilience of your organization. You know, I'll just share with you, and even at a small scale, uh, I remember ten or ten years ago or so. I had a, a business in central New Jersey that was customer facing and we had Hurricane Sandy and we were knocked out for two weeks. Uh, I had no sense of preparation, no sense of anything, had no idea what to expect. And we were down for two weeks. It was a mess. I didn't sleep. I was massively stressed. Uh, I felt like I had no control over any of my environment. I felt I lost control of my business. Um, it's something that I don't think any business executive wants to go through. And, and that's the short term. And you, you've added, of course, a number of, of say, medium term issues, like if your public company impact on your share price being hauled up in front of government agencies, uh, where they are really questioning your competence in a very uh, public forum. So I, I really, and, and it hits everybody, not from the big uh, to the small. And uh, I, I think you, you have articulated well. Just one uh, question for you. Is there anything out there, James, on an ROI if I do invest in preparation and, uh, and in planning for this? Any, anyone who's put any numbers to what I can expect, expect to get back? Right. I think uh, most likely here is, is um, in negotiations with your, your insurance company um, regarding various policies. And, uh, you know, typically uh, the way insurance works in, in, in these uh, uh, types of risks is that the, the, the more significant or the more uh, uh, developed your resilience plans are and your mitigation measures are, then the lower your insurance premium is going to be. Uh, and so therefore, you know, you'll save money on, on, on that side of things. Then obviously the flip side of that being, um, you know, as more natural disasters or climate related natural disasters occur, um, uh, and if they do impact your business, then obviously you're gonna have a, a higher premium to play if you haven't put in place um, these types of, of plans that are suggested or recommended. So I think that's, that's one very tangible uh, way that you can think that it's also kind of saving you money. So I think you, you've made a, a compelling argument that the ostrich strategy of putting your head in the sand and hoping someone else is magically going to take care of this for you is not a viable way forward. So, you know, if I'm an executive, I'm sitting here saying, okay, I get it. Talk to me about what an implementation effort would look like if I really wanted to move forward and address this 
issue in the proper fashion? Sure. <clears throat> you know, I think that the number one starting point here is uh, a risk assessment, which looks specifically at the assets of your organization, <clears throat> prioritizes, you know, what the key components of your organization are, and looks specifically how various climate-related natural disasters could impact them or could, you know, cause them to not work uh, in a way that would be detrimental to your to your organization. You know, different organizations have different approaches to, 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 to risk assessments, and that's a, a, a kind of discussion that takes place at, you know, the C-suite and potentially board level. Um, but there are obviously uh, risk management frameworks out there which provide a kind of benchmark in terms of what you should be doing at a kind of uh, uh, a kind of lowest a lowest level of, of kind of standard which is comparable to other other organizations so you can look at those uh, ISO 31000 and things like that as, as a kind of way to identify and uh, assess risks and uh, and mitigate them in relation to your to your various assets I think that's the starting point and then obviously it's a case of uh, thinking strategically about where you can how you can lower the risk the most important parts of your your, your business enterprise. Um, and that can be, uh, you know, targeted mitigation again. You know, I'm not personally a fan of this kind of like blanket approach. I think that things should be very targeted towards your specific business strategy and the way that you do your business. And so therefore, having identified, you know, what the critical parts of your business are, you know, really think through the best ways to kind of spend resources on, on, uh, on, on kind of mitigating the risks to ensure that, you know, business can continue, staff can stay safe, all of these kind of, you know, very important things. And, you know, for, for kind of medium and large companies, often, as I said earlier, this might be hiring a chief risk officer who's very capable and can really kind of think through these issues. And that might save you a lot of money in the, in the, in the kind of long term. James, you, you have uh, taken a very powerful, I don't even want to say flashlight, I think it's a sort of searchlight. And uh, you've shined a light to illuminate how executives need to think about this issue which I think has uh, not gotten the time and attention that it has deserved. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come right back to learn a bit more about James. Are you wondering how much longer you have to grind and chase for every lead conversation and client? Would you like clients to knock on your door so you no longer have to pitch, follow up, and spam decision makers? Well, Centricity's Category 1 program uses a proven five-step process that will help you get in front of the decision makers you need by spending less time doing all the things you hate. It's not cold calling, cold email, cold outreach on LinkedIn or any other social media, or even spending money on ads, but it does have a 35 times higher ROI than any of those things leveraging your expertise and insights at your prospects and network value. The best part, even though you'll see results in 90 days, you get to work with the Centricity team for an entire year to make sure you have all the pieces in place and working so you can start having freedom of time and a life outside of your business. So email time at centricityb2b.com to schedule an 18-minute call to learn more. Welcome back. We're talking to James Blake of Next Generation Risk Management. Let's find out a bit more about James. James, let me start with asking you, what are the pain points that you solve for your clients and why is it that they need you to get rid of that pain? Well, I think the, the kind of key points for, from my perspective are to ensure, um, you know, business continuity. Ultimately, you know, my view on this thing, and I think I probably differentiate myself from, from a lot of other people in this space, is that, you know, I want your business to function. I want your business to kind of 
be profitable and I don't want uh, risk management uh, to be seen as a compliance issue. I want it to be seen as a way to enable your business to kind of continue to, to, to run in the face of of, uh, 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 of risk, particularly as we're talking about climate related risks here. And so therefore my approach is very much specific to um, you know, what an organization's mission is, how it sees uh, its kind of critical assets, and then developing things which are kind of very much mitigation measures or plans, procedures, which are very much in line with, with the business itself and, you know, not trying to make them cumbersome or, uh, uh, you know, investing money where things are, are not necessary, but very much specific to the to the risk climate and the business strategy. James, one of the things that I think if, if a company is going to bring in an outside consultant to help them on this issue, they're going to primarily be looking for someone who has true expertise, uh, who is really great at this type of work in order to make that decision on who to use. So let me ask you directly, what is it when it comes to this type of work in risk assessment, risk management, what makes you particularly good at what you do? You know, I think that there are two components to this. I think on the one hand, I've had uh, a lot of experience dealing with, um, you know, a, a range of, uh, of organizations, some very large companies I've, I've worked with over the years. Um, and, uh, you know, I know that uh, companies have dis different risk tolerance levels, companies have different business strategies, different priorities and things like that. So I understand that that part quite well from experience with businesses. The second part is that, um, you know, I've actually uh, been to some of the places, unfortunately, that have experienced different uh, types of security issues, humanitarian uh, issues uh, and various kind of crises. And I know firsthand from being in those situations that, Things can get messy. Uh, things happen that you don't necessarily anticipate. And so, therefore, you know, my mindset very much is uh, on developing uh, plans and uh, procedures and things like that, which uh, take those kind of situations into account. And again, I suppose the bottom line here is, you know, things need to be explained to senior level um, in a very kind of clear concise manner towards their business strategy. But in addition to that, you need to know that things uh, can happen during emergencies. They're messy and they're not necessarily what you expect and people get stressed out. And I think I've had kind of the experience in that myself to know uh, how to kind of help organizations during those situations. I encourage uh, each of our uh, listeners to go to LinkedIn, look up uh, James and, uh, you know, connect with him, but pay close attention to his career. And by the way, we'll, we'll put his link to his uh, LinkedIn profile in our show notes to make it easy for you. Um, so, James, I, I want to ask a slightly different uh, question to you, which is looking at your career and, and your educational background, what happened, you know, whether it's in your personal life or in your professional life that would explain why you're doing what you're doing uh, today in this risk management space? I think that, uh, you know, for, for, from my perspective, um, I'm motivated in part by trying to help and make a, a difference. And I think that that's kind of been a, a key component throughout my, my career and whether it's been uh, helping uh, organizations um, understand risks, assess them and kind of mitigate them to, to, to kind of get ahead of these issues. You kind of helping people who've been in these uh, situations um, more acutely in the kind of eye of the storm in, in, in different countries. I think that's very much kind of guided me through, you know, different phases of my career, different kind of components of my career. But, I, you know, I, 
ultimately, I, I, I want to help people and I want to uh, make things as, as clear for them as possible. And I think that, um, you know, if you look at some of my uh, experience from, from, from the early days due to the kind of other things that I've done uh, in, in, in various kind of, as I said, international crises and, and so on, it's kind of been this uh, issue of, um, you know, really kind of thinking through things in a kind of a smart, educated way and trying to kind of explain them to an audience that is, is so they can understand how these impact them and things like that. And I would say these are my kind of guiding principles that have kind of taken me in slightly different routes that have incorporated, you know, very kind of like uh, large, uh, uh, successful kind of multinational companies in-house. Uh, I was embedded by a, a consultancy at the International Monetary Fund in, in Washington, D.C. To, to, to manage various security crises through to a busy humanitarian organization in, in New York and some of the various consultancies I've worked for and, and, and advised subsequently. You know, those are kind of been my, 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 my guiding principles. James, we, we've talked about a subject today where I think uh, many uh, companies uh, lack the expertise internally uh, to really address this in an effective and efficient fashion. So I'm sure we've got listeners that uh, would love to reach out to you to continue the dialogue that we started today. So what is the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, so my, my work email is james.blake at nextgenerationriskmanagement.com. And that's definitely the best way to, to reach out to me with the business. And I'll drop that uh, email address along with James' uh, LinkedIn address into our show notes and as an insert into our video. James, I want to thank you for coming on The Best Kept Secret today. We've really uh, had the opportunity to talk about a subject that doesn't get nearly enough, enough time and attention, but is going to play an increasingly important role in the viability, not just of our businesses, but also of our lives. So thank you for that. To our audience, I want to tell you all, let's continue to crush it out there until next time.